0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by m Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guise of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, And Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else—the latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Ma is proudly presented by Three Sixty Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State athletics.
2: Well, welcome into another Three Ma Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. And uh, we're talking hoops today. Who needs football, man? K-State is a basketball school. I have always said it. And we'll say it again today as we celebrate K-State putting up 116 points. Count them on the uh, Texas Longhorns. Wasn't long ago, I remember K-State scoring like 39 in a loss at Tulsa. And uh, last night, we watched K-State put 116 on a top-10 team on the road. Um, Congratulations on your cute new little stadium. Texas. Uh, take that L baby cats win. And uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about it. You might celebrate while you're uh, hanging out with us here with some 360 vodka or Ben holiday bottle and bond bourbon, whichever is your poison of choice. Of course, uh, brought to you by holiday distillery who helps support this pod. Great K-State folks that do a great job in uh, supporting us as well. So, uh, hey, rest of the season, you should get out to Bramlage and uh, just make sure you, you know, you can tailgate. You can, you can hit it up before the game. Just get the 360 vodka and the Ben Holiday bottle and bond bourbon. Make sure you're ready to roll. I can remember being a student um, lining up for a Texas game once upon a time when they beat the number one team in the country. And out in the line when we were there at like, you know, 6 a.m. waiting all day, people were passing around fireball. And uh, I would have actually it wasn't even fireball. It was hot Damn. And I would I would much rather have had uh, Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon than a hot damn at that point. So that's that's my word of advice to you. Anyway, boys, basketball, Cats win 116-103. Uh, who saw that coming? Did you have that one on the the bingo card. One hundred and sixteen points overall for K State and thirty six nine and only one turnover for uh, Marquise Noel in a virtuoso performance.
3: Yeah, I, I, I didn't have it on my bingo car, to answer your question. I'm not sure anyone did. It was kind of a consistent way of going about it. They scored 58 points in the first half. You know, I'll speak, we were speaking to Cole just before the show started, said, you know, when you have that kind of half, you expect to go cold in the second half. Well, they just went ahead and scored 58 points exactly on the dot once once again. So it was 58 in the first, 58 in the second. Um, In a way, and I know we'll get into it, felt a little fluky because you can't really – uh, lean on scoring 116 points on the road in the Big 12 as a, a reliable, consistent you know, tool to win games, as, especially since you only scored 21 in the first half against West Virginia. No Cole's going to jump into that stuff, but uh, either way, you will take it. However, you can get it on the road in the Big 12. A quad one win, an important win. Um, you mentioned Mark Eastonwell going off. Uh, he's went off in both Big 12 games. He was. I think he had 10 assists and 7 steals against West Virginia and over 20 points in that game, I believe. So what he's doing is pretty rare, uh, even if it's just a two-game stretch. He's going to shatter the single-season assist record. I think he's probably almost there at this point. That that record is 186. I think he had over 100 in the non-conference schedule, if I am correct. Uh, and then Cam Carter, be remiss if we didn't miss, uh, mention him, at his best game of the season. He's kind of been – you know, non-existent on the offensive end, despite being Kansas State's best defender this year, and probably best defender by a wide margin. And that's not to hate on the rest of the roster because some of them are playing really good defense, like Naquan Tomlin. But Cam Carter's been just that good on the ball. But um, what was that on Tuesday night? He was special in offense. He he had some major threes that halted Texas runs.
4: Yeah, the three made, you know, Texas cut it to eight in the second half with about five minutes and 30 seconds left. And Cam Carter goes down and drills a three to push K-State back out to 11. And it felt like K-State always had an answer whenever Texas made a run. And that place was getting loud. Look, this isn't like winning in the Frank Irwin Center when it's a dead atmosphere. This was an electric atmosphere. Texas fans are bought in in their new arena. It's much louder. It's a tougher place to win. And this is an extremely talented team. I I think you could make an argument that this is the most talented team in the Big 12 when you look at it. I mean, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, you're going to find a better one, two, three in this league when you look at those guys. I mean, those were three of the top transfers in America over the last two years. And, you know, KSU fan in our, our group chat actually mentioned this before the game. Texas, out of their six of their seven top guys in the rotation, had a combined 529 career starts uh, playing college basketball at the Division One level. And if you look at the numbers that these guys put up, you know, Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr each have almost 2,000 points in their career. Timmy Allen is around 1,900. Marcus Carr surpassed the 2,000-point mark last night. Sabari Rice is at 1,200 points, another guard for them. And then we know how good Tyrese Hunter is. Um, you know, one of the maybe the best transfer in America next to our guy, Keontae Johnson, this last offseason. So, uh, really a, a huge, incredible victory. And it's a quad one win that's going to stick. It's on the road. So, Texas is not falling uh, anywhere out of that quad one metric. It, you know, the top 10 team in America have some very impressive wins this year. They, they dominated Gonzaga in that arena earlier this year. And I know it's not quite the same Gonzaga level team, but still that is, that's one of the best wins you're going to get in college basketball this year. So just a huge one for Kansas state and incredible performance. And I believe the most points scored in program history.
2: Yeah. I mean, to, to play the, the only thing I would play devil's advocate with a little bit here is like, is, is Texas going to be the same without Chris beard, uh, the the rest of the year, presumably that would be the only question I would raise. Um, now, that's not going to account for the way K-State played, the way K-State shot, like all these different – I'm not sure that Texas could have done much last night to really temper the way K-State was playing offensively. But, um, And I don't think it's going to fall out of quad one. But will this hold up as like a top ten win uh, by the end of the year? I don't know. The good news is Big 12 schedule will provide you plenty of opportunities to continue doing that. And this is – I don't know. It feels to me like – I guess we can kind of shift to a little bigger picture view here. I mean, it feels to me like a win like, like that last night – just tr- changes the trajectory of the season from like okay, we've been sitting here like hey, let's get to seven Big Twelve wins, make sure that this is a tournament team. To now, it's like all right, you're two and zero. Oh, you've got wins over two top twenty five teams, but in particular this one that that should stick as a as a very very good win by the end of the year. Now, like what the, the the floor has become the NCAA tournament, right? Isn't that really the shift where it felt like sealing NCAA tournament last night? It officially turned into floor ncaa tournament with that w
3: it probably should i mean it certainly opened my eyes because i was thinking this team is a bubble team or just above the bubble you do something like that and you start out 2-0 yet you, you only lose to butler in the non-con your lsu win looks pr- pretty solid your nebraska win looks pretty solid they, they crushed iowa um they and i think they hung around with michigan state um as well so I think they're a much better team than, uh, than a lot of people believe, Kansas State uh, for that matter. And, yeah, I'm reshifting the way that I approach this season and, and the way that I think about this team. Uh, they can certainly do uh, much more accolade and achievement-wise than I was probably limiting them to. I, I still don't know what that i is. So is. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out just because as good as they have been, and they have been great, uh, to start Big 12 play against two really good opponents in West Virginia and Texas. Um you're just playing a team like that every night. And at some point, it's like, do you get worn down? Because they don't have a big bench right now. They're not, they don't have David Gasson right now. They're really light in the front court because of that. Um they're they're giving a lot of minutes to a handful of guys. And and I know that you know they're just college-age kids, but at some point in the season, the dam begins to. Break a little bit, and you wonder when that time happens. If it happens, it might not. And I guess going forward, I think two most the two most important pieces or items, I should say, that that'll probably factor into the question that you're bringing up is how much can Tyke Green do for this team because um, his continued um, development and progress within the system is going to be pretty vital in order to get guys, you know, more time off the floor, so you don't have to average. 38, 39 minutes a game, and then David Gasson. I think getting him back as soon as possible is pretty key as well because um, they did this without David Gasson and with Naquan Tomlin playing barely any minutes in the first half. They put a lot on Bebe, and that's probably why they weren't as good defensively as they wanted to be.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to take expectations to an unrealistic level. I mean, I, I do want to be clear that making just making the NCAA tournament, winning eight Big 12 games would be a gigantic success. For this program and jerome tang and the coaching staff so you know this hot start that k-state's off to 13 and 1 2 and 0 in big 12 i hope people don't raise their expectation level and think this is a team that you know should finish in the top two of the big 12 i mean would certainly love that to happen and perhaps they surprise us but you know they, they've just been really good and they've won in different ways they've won with defense in games lower scoring you look at the lsu game where they really grinded one out in the non-con, especially in that second half. And now they win a game with an offensive explosion. And I I think that's important to be able to win games in different ways, you know, to be able to score it or to win it with defense. And the West Virginia game in itself, it was two different halves. They scored 21 in the first half on Saturday and then score 61 points in the second half and in overtime. So actually over the last six halves, essentially a basketball or three halves of basketball, uh, K-State scored about 180 points. And uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, you mentioned D.Y. Marquise Noel. He's now at 119 assists on the year, which makes it an even more incredible number because he led K-State with 136 assists last season. So he needs 17 more to tie what he did all of last season, uh, which actually his 136 last year were the most assists by a K-State player since 2017-18 season. So it's yeah. not even that low of a number. And, yeah, he's going to shatter the, the assist record. Go ahead.
3: And he led the big 12 assists last year still at that number. Yeah.
4: Yeah. He's, he, he, Flando tweeted this out last night. He's averaging 30 points and nearly 10 assists per game in his two big 12 games and just continues to be one of the best point guards in America. And I think there needs to be, could could there be an argument that K state has the two best players right now in the big 12? I mean, I think they certainly have two of the best five. um, But Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel have just been incredible for this team. And it's going to get harder as they keep going through the Big 12. But uh, those two pieces, a lot of teams would kill for.
2: Yeah, if you're going by Ken Palm's O rating, they are two of the top five, right?
4: Yeah, they're uh, I, Marquise Noel, this is from yeah, KSU fan shared this with us last night, that Ken Palm has Marquise Noel as the number three highest offensive rated player in the Big 12 and Keontae Johnson at number five uh you know they've they've just been so great for kansas state and, and keontae has somehow taken his game to another level i i don't even know if there's enough words to just describe how incredible what keontae johnson is doing on the court the guy didn't play for two years we thought there would be some rust he's averaging 18 points and seven rebounds a game and making 58 percent of his shots and has taken his game to another level that he's never even had in his career at Florida when he was the SEC preseason player of the year. He's also shot 74 free throws. His career high for free throw attempts in a season was 95. He's going to shatter that. He's getting to the rim. He's finishing at an incredibly high rate. He's making 69% of his shots at the rim, which we all know was a a big strength of his uh, when he came to K-State. And It's just this system, the offensive system that K-State is running, Jerome Tang, Rodney Perry, this basketball staff, They're getting so many shots at the rim. KSU fans shared this, you know, last night as well, or actually heading into the game, but heading into last night's game, K-State was number five in the country in assist rate. So they're assisting um, on their made field goals, the fifth highest rate in the country. And they're number six in the country in attempted field goal attempts at the rim, which was something that Jerome Tang clearly prioritized with the analytics when they, you know, put together this roster is they want to have guys that can attack and finish at the rim, uh, and they're number six in the country in terms of taking shots at the rim last year, which is a huge jump. Um, they're shooting 48 percent of their shots at the rim last year. They were ninth in the Big 12 out of 10 teams shooting 40 percent of their shots at the rim. So they attack the basket and uh, don't take a lot of two point jump shots. They're actually 300 second in the country and two point jump shots, which uh, in terms of attempts, which is the worst shot in college basketball. So I love what they're doing.
3: Yeah, well, he said he was going to run his program on analytics, and he's certainly doing that. That's an indication those numbers towards the two-point jumpers kind of puts that into perspective. Keyonce Johnson also, I think, shooting an incredibly higher number from the three-point line this year than his career numbers would suggest as well.
1: You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. entertain educate inform kc sports network
2: yeah i mean i th- just the shooting numbers were, were ridiculous last night I, I mean the fact that k-state went 60 50 90 as a team 60 percent from the field 54 percent from three uh 94 from the free throw line is that's that's insane um you're not going to see that very often not going to see that very often at all and and to me cole i this is where i need to i need to bring you in i mean the performance last night from Noel and, and <clears throat> Johnson combined, they, they go for 36 and 28, so that's a little math there. 50, oh. six, 64. 64 yeah. combined points. It reminded me uh, a lot of a game that, that K-State unfortunately lost. Um, Jerome Tang was a part of this game. But yeah. on uh, February 25th in Waco, Texas, 2008, uh, Baylor beat K-State 92-86, to 86, but Michael Beasley had 44, and uh, Bill slash Henry Walker had uh, 31. So, I mean, I don't know. That's the only time, like, we've seen Marquise and, and Keontae go off before, but to, to that extent, uh, that's the last time I can remember K-State having two guys doing something like that. I mean, we had the – there was the Denny Clemente 2009 performance in Austin where he hit 40, right, but – yeah. um I don't know those performances. I think are right up there with with some of the best we've yeah, ever and seen. And Jacob Jacob pulling on Valentine's Day against KU. I mean, it's in that that sort of conversation.
3: And, and for these guys, it wasn't just points either. They were doing it, sis, right. steals, boards. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, uh, you mentioned the Baylor game in Waco, and uh, that was that was a frustrating one several years ago. But, but the difference in this game is there was more of a supporting cast to help those guys out because of what D.Y. mentioned earlier with Cam Carter giving you 17 points and just hitting some gigantic shots and Bebe giving you 10 points and four rebounds and Desi giving you eight off the bench and Tomlin gets 11. And so you had, you had so much of a supporting cast that really helped out. And, you know, I thought Tomlin uh, would have a little bit of rust in the second half after sitting 17 plus minutes consecutively in the first half. And it it looked like it was an intent intentional by Jerome Tang and the staff to get Tomlin a touch and ran a play for him right out of the gate to start the second half, got him a basket on the first possession. And, you know, he had a huge first two, three minutes of that second half where he scored seven points, hit a huge three um, just to get him back in a groove, get him back in the flow of the game. And I I thought that was really smart. Uh, But getting back to your point, John, I mean, yeah, I, I can't think of many two man performances like that outside of what bill did, with Michael Beasley in 2008. Denny had the 44 in Austin that you mentioned, which I actually thought of last night when I thought of Marquise going for 36 at Texas. Um, I was at that game in Austin covering it and was just an incredible performance. I can't remember what Jake did in that game, actually. But yeah, irregardless, it's one of the best two-man tandems right now in college basketball. Those guys are locked in together. And some of the passes that Marquise Noel is making it's just insane and what really impresses me not only from his ability to see the court but his guys catching the ball you know some of the passes he makes uh, we would have seen in the last few years guys would have bobbled those out of bounds they wouldn't have been ready for it and you know just at the West Virginia game alone he made two or three passes to Bebe where I, I couldn't believe Bebe made the catch and went right up like these guys are ready to catch the ball they have their head on a swivel they know that the ball could be coming from anywhere No look. Etc. And uh, they've really been finishing at a high clip at the rim.
3: Yeah, you know, probably get a lot of pre- preparation and practice. I imagine Noel um, is thrown around like that in practice as well. Practice like you play, right?
2: Well, what, one of the things that I really noticed on the topic of Noel it, to come out after the game was, you know, hearing Jerome Tang and Marquise both kind of say like. Yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes for, for Tang, it was like, you know, sometimes I get a little, little frustrated with his style of play, right? But you have to live with the good and the bad because the good is so uh, so far outweighing the bad at this point in time in the way that he plays. And, there, you know, there was a moment or two, there was one of those heat check threes where I was kind of like, uh, he had back-to-back turnovers in a row, one point in the first half. Um, I don't think it showed up in the box score because I know there's, there's only one turnover there, but two plays that kind of led to turnovers. Uh, so there are those moments but man obviously you're not going to complain when everything else is going as well as it is and then and I'm not trying to stir anything up here but just an interesting observation that Marcus uh, Noel his brother on that's his brother right on Twitter um, he tweeted out he quote tweeted something about that and said basically to paraphrase it's just a different in in staffs This staff trusts Marquise much more than the the previous staff did and uh I it just it does seem like he has perhaps been a little bit more embraced. And I can remember even when Bruce recruited um Marquise, the, the initial conversation when we were doing the radio show back then, it was like, All right, is Bruce Weber gonna be okay with this guy that we see highlights of? Like taking shots from the logo, like just a couple steps in, like, is that gonna be a pairing? that really works. I mean, they had some success, but it, it does seem like this has been a more natural fit. You know, a coach that's been able to, to get more out of Marquise by embracing a little bit more of the style that he plays.
3: I mean, it's, it can be a reckless style, but if you trust him to, you know, limit those mistakes that are certainly still going to come, then you're probably going to be rewarded tenfold at the end, at the other side. Right. And I think that's what we're seeing the most like, He did at that two, three possession stretch where it looked like, okay, here, this is where, you know, Texas is going to capitalize and probably bring this thing back. And it never happened. Um, So they were fortunate probably because of a Cam Carter bucket or a Marquise Noel. Sometimes he erases his own mistakes with stellar play as well. So uh, credit to him for that. And then there was that. I think one three where it's like man what are you doing you know like obviously if you would have made it would be like oh my great right you know it's one of those things you, you love it when it goes in you hit it when it does it this one didn't and it resulted in a pretty easy three uh for texas so kind of a six point swing because you didn't really give yourself uh, a good opportunity to score but i can remember same game right last or uh, tuesday night uh, at the moody center where i i feels like they got some momentum going. They're on a hot streak. I think they're up 14, 15. Um, I don't know exactly. And he shoots one of those really questionable threes, like pulling up, he check. And that one went in. And that's really, you know, Texas had a, court, had a call timeout and and that game really separated on them. I think that's probably when they came close to pulling it out to to a 20-point lead. So, you know, you're going to have to live with it a little bit. But if, if you try to limit him, and restrict him too much you really take away what makes him special and i think that's what uh, makes jerome tank a good coach because he's not trying to limit or restrict him but he is trying to coach him enough to where the the best stuff is a lot more powerful than the bad
2: noel's got a little bit of uh he's got a little bit of denny clemente in him where and i I don't really mean like style of play other than he'll come down and jack like the heat check three that can can drive you insane a little bit as a fan, but also be awesome. You know, when he hit one of those, like what you said, D.Y. last night, it was one of the best moments of the game. And you just know, you just know the other side is just pissed as hell. Like, how, why, how is that going in? And that's what I loved about Denny. It was like, Denny just seemed to be the most frustrating player for the rest of the league to deal with when he was at his peak at, at K-State. And I, I think Noel has some of that too, with not just the threes, but the passes he's throwing and stuff. You got to just throw your arms up and be like, are you kidding me with this guy? And uh, I mean, that, that is what, that can make you so endearing on top of everything about Noel sticking around and being the one guy that, that stuck around and, you know, maybe some issues with Nigel Pack there and, and being the guy to say, Hey, I'm going to be the one that everybody galvanizes the galvanizing force um, here with this team. Like he's, I said it last night, he's skyrocketing up the list of favorite cats all time for me. And, and just the representation of what he was uh to get this program jump started with jerome tang and all that so the stuff that i just mentioned style of play how infuriating he is for the opponents i mean he's he's going to become a pretty beloved figure i think by the time
4: it's all said and done yeah i completely agree john and he must be frustrating as hell from a defensive standpoint too because he just he'll strip the ball all the time and sneak around and and he can frustrate you too as a K State fan because he takes some gambles sometimes and uh, it doesn't work out and the other team benefits. But I think the uh, the pros outweigh the cons on that. What did he did he have two or three strips in just the last minute last night when uh, yeah. Hunter was trying to go up for three? It, it was hilarious to watch. He's he, he's he, under-
3: Yeah, he tried to pick a pocket at one point last night. Like his guys on the other end of the floor or other side of the floor, and he runs clear over to the other side just to try to. Stripped the ball behind. It didn't work out. That player just skips the pass across the court uh to the guy Noel, supposed to be guarding for an open three. Yeah. So you're you're gonna run into that still.
4: Yeah, well, and even he had one where Texas guy, Texas Big secured the rebound and uh he snuck around and and poked it out and got a layup in the second half early on. So he just he just makes some He's incredible best. plays he's, he's a very savvy player and someone made the comp on on the boards last night at kso dy comparing i can't remember who it is so i apologize made the comp comparing him to pierre jackson at, at baylor and when you look at the numbers and you know he, he's not quite as big as pierre but pierre wasn't a big point guard he was like 5'9 five, 5'10 five, uh you know pierre jackson had 255 assists his senior year which blew my mind when we're talking about k-state single season record being 186 and you know average 20 points per game you know he's marquise is putting together that type of season right now so it, it's uh you guys remember d y you asked him at big 12 media days you know do you have it note you know what what did it mean to not be on the all big 12 preseason team and he he looked at us and he said i've got it noted i got it noted right here and uh it He's an all big 12 first team guy right now. So, you know, credit to him for putting it together. I think K state safely has two guys right now that are all big 12 first team players. Well, Pierre Jackson's
2: a great comp, man. you talk about like body, body type, like what they, what they actually looked like out there on the floor. And then the numbers that that's shout out to whoever did that. That's a, that's a good comp for sure. Um, one, one last thing I want to mention before we break and then get into, uh, you know, what the, what the attorney resume is looking like and the upcoming schedule. Um, just to double down on this point because I know Derek mentioned it but to be doing this without David Gasson I mean I when I saw the news when we were just in the aftermath of uh, the the Sugar Bowl loss and basking in the glory of Bourbon Street uh seeing that David Gasson was going to be out I was I thought oh boy like this may this is going to get things off to a rough start in Big 12 play it might be hard to come back from because you know he'd been coming on a little bit it had been counted on more um and i think playing better and nothing against ish masood but if you're if you're having to play i mean in case they did have to play him 20 minutes last night because of tomlins foul trouble and it just he struggles he goes through stretches where he struggles i just thought man that that's going to be a huge hindrance to this team and to have started 2 and 0 and grinded their way through that without without Gasson, i think it's just I, I do not want that to get understated here the fact that they were able to do that
3: yeah, I would totally agree. And I'm not going to it, it while it's easy to do right now. I'm not going to run down Ishmisu just for the point of the, this conversation. But Kansas State is a better team when those minutes are being occupied by David Gasson. So I, I think that's the best way to put it right now. On top of that, I think it is also reassuring that John Rothstein of CBS Sports, um, I guess, spoke to Coach Tank before and, and it was – Ghassan was called a game time decision for that Texas game. So while he didn't play, um, I was at least encouraged that seemed like potentially he had the chance and, and he did go on the trip. Um, He wasn't at the West Virginia game, but he was on the trip against Texas. So that to me is a sign of considerable progress. So I'll take that as a positive.
4: Yeah. My biggest concern was him not being on the bench against West Virginia, thinking this might be something that's pretty severe. And just to see him on the road trip, no crutches, Anything like that, um, I think he'll he'll probably be back soon, uh, which is huge for this team because they don't have a ton of front court depth. So uh, having Ghassan back will be important. And, and maybe they've developed a little more depth as a result of this. Um, you know, Massoud actually had a decent game against West Virginia, I thought. So uh, he gave them some good minutes there. I think he struggled a little bit more last night, but you know, he went out there and gave him 20 minutes and, and bought some time. I do want to say that that Bebe has been terrific in the time given to him since getting him back, which is huge just to get him back healthy over the last two games. He's 10-12 from the floor uh, for a combined 24 points, 4-4 four of four from the free throw line, really some big free throws that he's hit in each of these two games. But people have to remember, Bebe is a 73% career free throw shooter. So he's not a big that struggles at the line. He's He's been really good for this team. Um, over the last couple of games and uh, can probably be giving him 20 minutes a game to help spell Gasson a little bit.
3: Uh, I would. The last point I would make is the minimum that Ishmusut needs to be doing for K-State, should he be getting these kinds of minutes going forward, Is I don't think anyone expects him to be a defensive force or a guy that really is able to bang in the paint. I think we all know who he is, but when he gets open shots, he's got to knock them down at a much better clip than what we've seen recently. Yeah. Point
2: on Bebe. I mean, in case they went through a stretch without Bebe earlier, too, like they don't have much front court depth and they've been able to weather some injuries uh, even so far to get to the point where they're at 13 and 1 and 2 and 0 in the Big 12. So uh, all good things, man. All good things right now. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. Look at the schedule coming up, the the tournament resume, the, the Nets. Uh, Ken Palm can't get enough of the cats last night there were right now there were crazy movements last night and all the metrics I saw Texas trucks an insane amount defensively with their metrics with everything that happened last night We'll, we'll talk about that coming up next
1: you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City KC Sports Network we'll be back right after this
0: this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently
1: entertain, educate, inform KC Sports Network.
2: All right, back here on ball. Uh, K-State 13-1, 2-0, uh, as I mentioned in the Big 12 Conference here at this point. Um, what do, do we expect this team, so the schedule coming up, they've got Baylor uh, on the road on Saturday. Then you've got Oklahoma State at home, at TCU, Kansas at home, Tech at home. I mean, what what are kind of the expectations for you guys in this stretch coming up is this a team that's going to compete in the top four say of the league uh or are we still in the mode of like hey get get to eight wins make sure that you're going to be an ncaa tournament team
3: yeah i mean the calculus is changing a little bit i believe just because you went on the road and, and beat it texas when you when you get a road win um you don't really count on road wins in the big 12 when you get one i think that changes your outlook a little bit each time that you get one right you have to hold serve at home and then just find a way to to scrape out a few on the road to get the first one and probably being at one of the better teams in the league is you know astounding at this point to be quite honest and uh i i don't know where i would put a number on it maybe i say hey get to nine nine or ten um maybe don't Shoot yourself short there with seven or eight, maybe go nine or ten at this point. Um, I mean, I'm certainly going to elevate it a lot more if they start out three and zero and win in Waco. So now that game's the most becomes the most intriguing at this point, not just because it's the next game, but because you already have a road win. You're two and zero in the Big Twelve. Uh, Baylor's not the same Baylor that we've been accustomed to seeing the last three or four years. This one is is a tick below because they're not playing as well on defense as they typically do, which is interesting when Kansas State's kind of cooking on the offensive end right now. Um, Obviously, it's Jerome Tanks' first trip back to Waco as well. A lot of emotions probably going to play into that. So, um, man, if they could steal another one in Waco, then, you know, sky's the limit's kind of the cliche, but then you kind of dream a little bit Because following that is a home game against Oklahoma State. That's one where you do write off as a win. Uh, Now they have to still go there and take care of business against the Pokes. Obviously, they're they're, they're, um, starting out pretty well, too. They beat West Virginia. Um, They almost beat Kansas in in their opener. So, uh, like, again, no nights off in the Big 12. But you can start to dream a little if you're able to win in Waco.
4: Yeah, there's no gimmies in this league. You mentioned a DY, they were they were up Oklahoma State was up 15 at halftime against KU and led by a point with under a minute left in Allen Fieldhouse, which is incredibly difficult to do. So, uh this this league is so tough top to bottom and you got to be ready to play night in and night out. I mean, I I came into this road trip just thinking I'd be ecstatic if they got one of the two and they already got the Texas win. So, um kind of feel like playing with house money, going to Baylor here. This isn't a game that you have to win. Now you do win it. Then you can start to dream, you know, with this team, but I'm still in the boat that I would be very satisfied with a nine and nine type big 12 season for this team. That would be a lock for the NCAA tournament. So I would be, be very happy with that. Um, Although, you know, I, I to dream a little bit. I think back to when I covered the team in that 2011-12 season when K-State won back-to-back games on the road against uh, top 10 Missouri and top 10 Baylor. And uh, that would be kind of what this would mean for this program if they were able to do it. I will say, while Baylor has struggled some recently, and they clearly aren't the same defensive team like D.Y. said this season, L.J. Cryer's missed the last couple games due to a concussion. Uh, he's one of their best players. He's expected back. Um tonight actually when they play i believe so he'll be playing against k-state on saturday he's a big time shooter big time scorer so they'll be at four f- full force in all likelihood against k-state It'll, it could be a desperate baylor team too we'll see what the outcome of their game is tonight but uh be very happy just that they got this one road win take care of business at home next week against oklahoma state and uh then you got a tough road at tcu as well <laughs> it's just the, the schedule can get daunting when you look at it uh but it'll set up a heck of a fun atmosphere against KU and uh, Bramlage Coliseum 13 days from today.
3: With, uh, with the way both teams are playing offense and with the way both teams are, are playing defense, like you said, Baylor gets Cryer back. Um, There's there a potential for a lot of points at the Ferrell Center on Saturday as well.
2: Uh, Cole, you mentioned Oklahoma State and Kansas. I, is Kansas going to win a Big 12 game without any controversy this year? Are they going to need, need a little help every single time out there? Is that, why, why do we let them do this?
4: Uh, look, I, I find it annoying when I hear broadcasters say, well, you're not going to get that call in Allen field house. Like a foul is a foul. Okay. So. Yeah. But what about,
2: what about a call in, in United supermarkets arena? What about a call in Lubbock?
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, a that was hug in the paint. Yeah. That was, that was really bad. Um, I, I don't know. That's not called. I know KU fans. I like, I didn't get to watch the whole game. I watched the last minute and um I know KU fans will point to they only, I think, what, shot four free throws in the game. Uh, but it's those situations at end of games. Man. Oh, not just that
2: cool. oh, okay. KJ Adams got hammered on a dunk. Boy, if I had a dollar for every reply I saw from Kansas fans, a clip of the play in the paint last night. Yeah, you're right. I agree. Jeff Goodman, KU did get screwed. KJ Adams got hammered on a dunk. Just shut up.
4: Yeah, I, I like I can't speak to the whole game because I, I wasn't able to really focus in on it. But yeah, I mean it's when referees swallow their whistles at the end of games like that. I, I don't know. That's it's frustrating, but uh yeah, um should be a fun, fun matchup so what, in uh, Manhattan.
3: The one against Oklahoma State was the worst because if you're talking about KJ hammer Adams getting hammered on a dunk, like who was it for Oklahoma State got hammered on that dunk and
4: it wasn't called,
2: so Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. I digress anyway okay uh we've got a uh, I, I'm, I'm just gonna let everybody in on a little secret here we got a football pod to record so we're gonna we're gonna mosey on out here but uh, appreciate appreciate 360 vodka uh appreciate holiday distillery uh everything that they do to help support our podcast so with that being said for Derek young cole manbeck uh jed marshall producing this thing i am john kurtz uh hopefully you tune in for a football pod coming up soon Not going to be as uh, fun or exciting probably as this one, but uh, a lot to discuss there. Thanks for listening to 3Maw. Take care, and we'll see you soon.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network.